Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Right now, big things are going on at Collective as we are finishing the work on our own 24-7 space with the plan to be open by Easter. Until then, you can continue to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. for Collective Online. We'd love for you to join us. God is moving at Collective and in the city of Frederick, so stay tuned so you can be up to date on what's going on and how you can be involved with what's next at Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Even though the seats are mostly empty, it feels so good to be in our building on a Sunday morning as we gear up for opening in March. And just a small reminder about today, we are going live from our new church home. And when I say live, I mean live, live, meaning I can't yell cut in the middle of my preaching because I accidentally said Christmas instead of Christmas multiple times while recording for Christmas Eve. What that also means is that our team is learning on the fly this morning. So we know that you will be patient and gracious with our team if anything doesn't go the way we expect it to go. And one last thing, if you are watching on Facebook and want to watch with our online hosts who are there to help you take your next step and connect with you, open up the app and click on Collective Online or head to our website, mycollective.church and click on watch in the top right corner to check out a new and cleaner way to watch with other people this morning. All right, let's do this. In 2012, during the presidential election, a set of videos went viral after the debates. Clips of politicians being dubbed over with bad lip reading tore through the internet and no politician was safe from these ridiculous videos. Today, Bad Lip Reading's YouTube channel has over 8 million subscribers, 1.32 billion views, and they made over $1 million last year. And no one has been spared. They have made fun of Barack Obama, Donald Trump, Beyonce, Taylor Swift, The Walking Dead, The Avengers, the NFL, and pretty much every single moment of Star Wars. And these videos are amazing. If you haven't seen any of them, they feel a lot like the bumper that you just saw that our own team made, Hot Wings, right? It feels kind of fitting because it's Super Bowl Sunday. It's all nonsense. That kind of makes sense. And bad lip reading is hilarious when it comes to debates or movies or music, pop culture, but it's not so great when it comes to the Bible. So today we're starting a brand new series that I'm really excited about. In fact, I've been holding on to this idea for years and I felt like now is the best time to bring it to you all because what I've seen on social media lately, to put it bluntly, I have seen a lot of dumb phrases from Christians that sound like Bible verses, but are closer to bad lip reading. And this is kind of a thing that Christians do. Here are a few examples of the dumb crap that Christians say. Here's one of the favorite phrases of Christians in the South. If you're from the South, you know this, bless your heart. I heard this all the time in college. One day I walked into church and I was wearing a t-shirt, shorts, and flip-flops. And this older woman came up to me and asked if I needed a place to wash my socks. 
I guess she assumed that I was dressed that way because I didn't have my slacks and polo and cool Sperry's on or whatever people wear to church in the South. But when I told her that I actually just did my laundry and I wear flip-flops all the time, all she said was, bless your heart. And then she patted me on the shoulder and walked away. Because I didn't grow up going to church, I thought she was being sweet, but my roommates were laughing because they knew what she really meant was, you're an idiot. So if you ever hear someone say, bless your heart, please know that they think you're dumb. Here's another phrase that Christians like to use. You see this a lot in dating relationships. God wants me to tell you. Do you, do you know what that's code for? Buckle up, because I'm about to spew the meanest thing you have ever heard and act like God sent it to me divinely in a prayer and not like I'm just trying to get something off my chest. Now here's another one some of you have heard before. If you just had more faith. This is the phrase that Christians like to use when they wanna blame you for something that isn't going your way. If you just had more faith, God would send you the right person to marry. If you just had more faith, you would get your dream job. If you just had more faith, you wouldn't struggle the way you're struggling. If you just had more faith, the Orioles would finally win a World Series. My faith is gone in that, by the way. It's just not gonna happen. But here's the problem. These are phrases and one-liners that Christians say that sound spiritual, they look spiritual, and they're even said by people who are spiritual, but they are empty at best, and they are really destructive at worst. They're bad lip reading. So here's what we're gonna do over the next few weeks. We're gonna spend four weeks breaking down some of the toxic phrases that Christians for some reason use all the time. And we're gonna learn what Bible verses these phrases come from and what they're really supposed to mean. And this week, we're starting with the phrase, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. You've heard this before. Maybe you've even said this before. Maybe you've been to a funeral and you heard someone say something like, everything will be okay because everything happens for a reason. If you follow any athletes on social media, you've seen this before when someone gets hurt. They get on Twitter, they say they've torn their ACL, but it's just part of the comeback because everything happens for a reason. Or maybe you didn't get into the college that you really wanted to attend, or you didn't get the job that you desperately wanted, or you didn't get the house that you dreamt of. And a very well-meaning friend said, this wasn't the fill in the blank for you. And just remember, everything happens for a reason. And I'm just being honest with you, I hate this phrase. It makes me cringe. When I hear it, I just want to scream. I wanna take the person who said it and I wanna ask them, what are you even talking about? What does this mean? Are you trying to comfort me? Or are you trying to chastise my faith? Like, am I supposed to look at my unfortunate situation and be joyful for some reason? And then it gets confusing because you hear this, this phrase from Christians and non-Christians. When I hear this phrase from someone who doesn't even believe in God, I'm confused because you don't even believe in God. So what reason do you think exists to explain this terrible thing that's happening? When I hear this from a Christian, I get worked up because it comes across as this cliche saying where they're communicating, I don't really have anything of substance to say, but I just want to make you feel better. And honestly, I really want to make myself sound spiritual while also not really having to empathize with you because that's messy and it's your issue. So remember, 
everything happens for a reason. There's a writer named Joy Michaels who wrote this. Cliches are often the go-to method to help us feel like maybe we helped. They are not helpful and, in fact, may often hurt more than help. That's this phrase. It doesn't help and it often hurts. But here's the catch. It's actually based on a verse in the Bible. Romans 8.28 says this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And so Christians will twist this verse without thinking, and it leads to bad theology, and it hurts people. And we go around spouting, everything happens for a reason, because we think that's what this verse says. But it's so much more than that. So today, I want to break down the phrase, everything happens for a reason, and why the phrase isn't true and doesn't work. And I also want to explain to you what Romans 8.28 really means and why it is so important. Because there is a great promise of God for you in that verse. And if you are going through a hard time, if you are in a valley, if you are experiencing pain and brokenness and you are looking for a little light in your darkness, I believe that today God is going to speak to you through this verse and he's gonna give you hope. So I wanna walk through this scripture and point out what it doesn't say, and then we're gonna talk about what it actually does say. So let's read the beginning of this verse again in Romans 8.28. It starts like this. And we know that God causes everything to work together. Now, what a lot of people do is they just stop reading right there. They read God causes everything to work together, and they move on. And listen, I get that there's a whole debate about free will and how much does God give us free will versus preordaining everything to happen. But here's what everyone agrees on. God does not cause evil. Listen to these verses. Genesis 1, then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. Everything God made in the beginning was good. But then later in Genesis 3, Satan and human, humans bring evil into the world. Meaning pain wasn't a part of God's plan. Sin wasn't a part of God's plan. Both of those things entered the world when Satan convinced Adam and Eve to disobey God. That's when bad things started to happen. Psalm 5 says, Oh God, you take no pleasure in wickedness. You cannot tolerate the sins of the wicked. James 1. And remember when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Psalm 45, you love justice and hate evil. John 8, he's talking about Satan. He says, for he is the, a liar and the father of lies. John 1, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. All of that to say, God is not the author of evil. A pastor and author named Larry Osborne really helped me understand why the phrase everything happens for a reason is so dangerous. And one thing that he points out accurately is that God permits things that he doesn't prefer, right? God permits things that he doesn't prefer. And God does this for several reasons. Osborne explains that one thing God permits is the natural consequence of our own sin. For example, a guy gets fired from his job and he wants to tell himself everything happens for a reason. But what really happened was that he embezzled money and got caught. Getting fired is the result of his sinful decision. Another thing that God permits is the natural consequence of sin being in the world. 
So many of the bad things that happen in this world are simply just reminders that we live in a messed up place. They're reminders that sin is real, that this world is broken, and the only real solace that we have is found in Jesus. Another thing that God permits is the foolish choices we make. And these don't often end up being sin. They're just decisions that lack wisdom. Right? I don't think God prevents you from buying a bad stock or holding on to GameStop too long. Guys, you should have let go sooner. God doesn't stop you from marrying a selfish spouse or buying a car that you can't afford. Those things are not God's fault. Now, he doesn't prefer that you make unwise decisions, but God permits them. See, I've heard people say things like, God let my first marriage fall apart because he wanted me to be married to this person. And I think people too flippantly blame God for things that God didn't really cause. And the truth is, God hates divorce. God hates sin. He despises it because he knows how much it hurts the people that he loves, how much it hurts us. And if we just say that everything happens for a reason in order to dismiss the consequences of those things, we neglect the weight of sin and the importance of repentance. So here's the deal. I think that viewing every single little thing that happens as divinely orchestrated by God for a specific reason leaves you one of two ways. Either you are living with a selfish faith or you're living in your own private hell. Because if you believe that everything happens for a reason, and this verse means that God made everything in the universe for your personal convenience, then after church today, you'll go for a walk, you'll dig out some snow, you'll find a dollar bill on the ground. And according to this worldview, God arranged the entire universe for you to find that dollar bill. And you will go through your entire life trying to look for every possible way that God is giving you good things and orchestrating the entire universe for your selfish benefit. But it's gonna be all about you at the expense of other people, which is the exact opposite of how Jesus lives. It's a spiritual narcissism. And the flip side is living in your own private hell. And what I mean by that is you will start to hyperanalyze every painful thing you experience, trying to figure out what is the reason behind it. Right? So you get COVID, so you have to figure out the reason because everything happens for a reason. So you start to wonder, is God teaching me that I shouldn't spend my time with friends or my family because he's punishing me for that? Or is this because God wants me to be home so I can get some rest and focus more on him? Or you don't get a raise. So you have to figure out why, because you think everything happens for a reason. So you begin to assume that your boss doesn't like you. And Jesus says, love your enemies. So Jesus has given you an enemy. So now you can follow Jesus better by loving a boss who doesn't like you. Or you don't get the raise, so you decide that God is telling you you shouldn't be at the job anymore. So you decide to quit even though you don't have another job lined up, you have no way to pay your bills, and you're in debt. But it's a sign from God because everything happens for a reason. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting to live this way. So here's the good news. That's not what this verse means. And that's not what God wants for you because he doesn't want you to live with that kind of exhaustion. He wants something better. So let's read the verse again, knowing that this isn't saying everything happens for a reason. 
So Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, Paul, who wrote this, makes it very clear that this is for people who follow Jesus. So please take note of this. And this is not a promise for every single person. And before you get offended by that, I'm going to explain how this later can be for everyone. But this is a promise for people who follow Jesus. And the word that throws us off is the word causes. And that's totally understandable. But the Greek word used by Paul is synergeo. It's where the word synergy comes from. So what Paul is actually saying is that God can work with everything that happens in our lives and create good from it. Think about it like this. God will, God can, God wants to cause everything in your life to work together for good. So this isn't about everything happens for a reason. This is about the fact that no matter what you have been through, God can create something good out of it. God can redeem everything you've gone through. God can bring purpose to your pain if you let him, if you let him. It's really your choice. And it doesn't say that God causes some things. It says that God causes everything to work together. Not most things, not parts of things, everything. Your divorce, your past addiction, the loss of your child, the miscarriages, the abuse, the job loss, the pain. God can and will bring goodness to everything you have experienced if you let him. And that doesn't mean our version of good. It doesn't mean that God will necessarily take the bad things we have gone through and make the pain disappear. Sometimes the good thing God gives us is simply wisdom to make better choices in the future. Sometimes the good thing is the ability to empathize and care for other people who have deeply rooted pieces of pain that not many people actually understand. Sometimes the good thing is the fact that you survived and you get a second chance at life. Sometimes the good thing is that your past pain leads you to finding purpose where you serve others or help others or care for others out of that pain. Sometimes the good thing is that it leads us closer to Jesus and we rely more on him. And sometimes we don't even understand what the good thing is. Either way, it's God's version of good, which to be honest, relieves us of some pressure because I don't have to see it or understand it in order for it to be good. You don't have to try to figure out how God is using things for good. You can trust his character. You can trust what he has done in your life. You can trust what the Bible says about him. Even when you don't understand, you can trust that God loves you, that God will never leave you or forsake you, that God wants what is best for you, and that God can work with all the bad things that have ever happened in your life and create something good out of them. That is his desire. Doesn't that feel good? Doesn't it feel good knowing that it isn't on you? Aren't you glad that God causes everything to work together? Aren't you glad that you are relieved of the pressure of controlling the universe? 
Aren't you glad that you don't have to determine the purpose of your pain because we have a God who loves us and will do that for us? And here's why I like this. Because I don't understand God. I don't. And that used to bother me so much when I first started following him, but it doesn't anymore because now it gives me comfort. Because if I could fully understand him, he probably wouldn't be a very good God. And here's the thing. I know that a lot of you are listening to this and reading that scripture and thinking, yeah, but, right? That verse sounds nice, but what about? And you fill in the blank with your own situation. What about the addiction? What about the mental illness? What about the funeral? What about the diagnosis? What about the scars I still have to prove what he did? What about the nightmares that I will never escape because of what happened? What about that, God? And I don't have an answer for you. I would not presume to understand your pain, but Jesus does. John Stott once said, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? And in imagination, I've turned instead to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross, nails through hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs rent, brow bleeding from thorn pricks, mouth dry and intolerably thirsty, plunged in God-forsaken darkness. That is the God for me. He laid aside his immunity to pain. He entered our world of flesh and blood, tears and death. He suffered for us. And that is why God is a God worth following. You see, this verse says that God can work everything together for good. And that can happen in a number of ways. But I believe that the primary way that he brings goodness in our low moments is that those moments often lead us to God. They lead us to a place where we are searching for answers. They lead us to a place where we're longing for hope. They lead us to a place where the God of the universe, one who understands our pain, is waiting with his arms open to embrace us and give us what we need. Because the best good thing that he does is he calls us home and he adopts us as his children. He gives us endless second chances. He gives us peace. And he does that when you place your faith in him. And if you want that, if you're ready for that, or you just wanna have a conversation about what that looks like, check off the baptism box in your connection card and we will follow up, we will call you this week. And I know that some of you still aren't sure. And that includes both people who follow Jesus and don't. Let me just say one more thing this morning. God has the big picture. And I don't know why that thing happened or why he did or why they won't or why she can't, but I know that God will. God will be there for you and you can trust him because he will never let you down. He will never abandon you. He will never hurt you. And those are his promises. And I know you are going through a hard time, but God still loves you. And the proof of that isn't just the cross, but the empty tomb. Because after Jesus suffered and bled for a way to connect us back to God, he walked out of the tomb of life, and that's how we know we can trust him. He was seen, so our hope is real. So no matter what you have faced or are currently facing or will face, God will somehow, 
in his incomprehensible wisdom, worked that together for good and purpose of those who love him. He loves you. Don't give up. Let's pray. God, we don't, um, honestly, God, we just, we don't like pain. Uh, We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to go through it. But God, a lot of us are in that space, in that dark spot. We've been through that. We're about to go through that. And it's hard to find hope when things are going wrong, when things aren't going the way that we expected or even the way that we prayed. So God, I, I pray that we can find peace in this verse. God, that no matter what we are going through, you're with us. And God, you want to use whatever we are struggling with for good. God, help us trust you with that. God, help us uh, lean into that with you. And God, we just pray that you bring good things to the pain that we've experienced in our life. God, we don't know why you do that. Um, God, we don't know why you love us so much that you would give us purpose for our pain. But God, we welcome that into our lives. God, we thank you for the ways that you love us and care for us, the fact that you will never abandon us. We love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.